everyone. Welcome back to the Let's Page. I'm Yay, Frank, we're back. your historian. We have a <laughs> particular work today. I'm joined, as always, by my great friend Bruno. Yeah, the man of letters, the man of literature, the man who does anything that you want for this podcast. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> Such is the madness of doing a podcast, but it, it's, yeah. all, it's all in good spirits. Yeah. We hope. So today, for, for everyone, we have, <laughs> whenever things get slightly out of joint, <laughs> uh, whenever we are doing the schedule and whatnot, we follow some of our faves because uh, we already have the books, <laughs> we're familiar with the works, and usually yeah. short stories because, you know, it's helpful, which is the yeah. case. So <laughs> today we're looking at another short story by Jorge Luis Borges from yes. Fictions again, which is... It's not. It's the same from the Death in the Compass, and it's a very, it's a very peculiar short story. It's called Fumes yeah. or Fumes F U N E S Fumes the Memorious. Uh, I checked actually, yeah, uh, because uh, it's not really that much of a word in Portuguese, Spanish, <laughs> or English. So <laughs> go figure. But that idea yeah. of like memory. So. Yeah. <laughs> You wanna? You, shall I give us the short story and what's it about? Or there's anything you wanna say yeah, before? I, I, I just, I just want to say before that this is the perfect short story for an historian and a man who likes literature to analyze together. It, it definitely is. A teacher of mine, whom I uh, have great esteem, he, he, one of the things he said in class was that like this short story is one that every historian should read. And yeah. I completely agree with it, and hopefully you will too, and we'll show you why. So, yeah. this story... So give us a summary. <laughs> okay, so, uh, much like Borges' stories, this one is told from a, like a short story perspective by this narrator who knew the titular character, Foons. And he's basically recollecting the first time he met him for the man's obituary. And he mentions how he met this man because he he had met him in a sort of formal informal occasion and asked for uh, like a, a Latin dictionary and I think Pl yeah. Plinius's De Natura Naturalis Historia yeah. yeah basically the natural history by Plinius uh, so you know ancient history and that work so people learn Latin. <laughs> And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but but the narrator's like, oh, uh, he's gotten a letter or a telegram from his home, basically asking him to return, and he goes to ask Foons to return him the books. And he runs into him, and Foons is in a very dark room, it's night, and basically they're talking, and the narrator is kind of shocked and surprised to find out that Foons basically has perfect memory. He recalls everything, yeah. every single detail and fact. And we'll go into a bit more detail on what that means. And yeah. apparently, as we're told, that happened because he uh, he had like a, an accident, or, or was it lightning? I'm not. I, I forgot to check the the meaning of the word. But like, I think had, it was an accident. Yeah, he had some sort of injury, and yeah. he he gained like uh, his perception and his memory were infallible. Yeah, he became. Paraplegic, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I maybe I'm not exactly sure, 
Yeah. <laughs> but he he has this perfect memory now. Yeah. More perfect than eidetic memory, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, uh, because it's uh it's on a whole other level. Yeah, we we will discuss about it. Yeah. And, and try to to characterize it. And the uh, it's a very short short story. It's like ten pages. Yeah. And yeah. it's narrator talking about how like a bit about Foons, the things he was working on. He was <laughs> creating his own numbering system, uh, his project, <laughs> his intellectual projects, and what he had learned and who he was really, how his memory was. Uh, for again the man's obituary, and then yeah. he realizes that Poons had only nineteen, and we learn that he died like uh, three years later. Yeah, so, something like that. And that's basically the short story. It's very simple, yeah. very to the point. We're not going to spend time on a very very long summary, but yeah, yeah. the questions themselves there. There's something else. Let's yeah. Start, Bruno. <laughs> So, yeah, I think I want to start actually by like his condition, his physical condition and mental mm -hmm. condition because I if I remember correctly, I don't remember the the origin of the of the accident, but I remember that he got like paralyzed. I don't know if every like the whole body paralyzed or something from his body paralyzed, mm -hmm. but I remember exactly that he says that since he was paralyzed, he, he started to get this like mental superpowers and i i think that's really curious because it, it it just adds on to what we were talking about how he could remember things so perfectly that he took a second to remember about a second <laughs> in the past yeah so and now we have sort of this figure of the man who can't transit in the present but can transit everywhere with his mind and not with his body yes and yeah and and i don't know if this is on purpose and and if this is or if is this is just like a limitation that borges wanted to to put in this character but i don't know what you think i think it, it feels to me that, that that's a lot like <sighs> Let me see how I can phrase it. Difficult questions right away. Well, <laughs> let's jump right into the deep end, shall we? Yeah. It feels to me like a lot that is the mind and body dynamic from that goes yeah. like centuries in Western culture. Yeah. He he paid a physical price for his great intellect, and yeah, yeah. It says I, I was checking it, and it says clearly that he became like paralytic in these terms. And, yeah. But he didn't mind that, that it was a, exactly. a very small price to pay for yeah. increased and enhanced perception and ability to remember and knowledge. What becomes more and more curious is the way that that is shaped, because we're told that like he remembers in incredibly minute detail. And it's as Bruno was saying, like he he remembers a second and it takes a second. We're told yeah. in an episode yeah. that like... Uh, these memories weren't simple. Each visual image was yeah. connected to f muscular feelings, thermal ones, etc. He said actually that the first time that he tried to remember a whole day, like doing the exercise of going through everything that he did and see and smell and feel in that day, he took a whole day to remember the day. So that's why we, 
we talk so certainly about him taking a second to remember a second. Yeah, that's the the bit I was getting to. Like he could reconstitute every dream, every in between dream. Two or <laughs> twice or thrice he had reconstituted an entire day. He, the narrator, had never doubted it, but every reconstitution had a, had demanded an entire day. So. <laughs> Basically, what we're told, and we are told this explicitly shortly after, he has no capacity for abstraction. Yeah. For him, these reconstructions, these rethinkings of his days and times and memory is so precise that he cannot select, that he cannot judge what matters and what doesn't. Every single yeah. detail and information is important. Exactly. And in a sense... What we are increasingly led to believe is what does this perfect memory means? Does it mean yeah. knowledge? Does it mean history? Funes himself defines his knowledge in three different ways, and they're all sort of present and in conflict between one another. I alone have more memories than w that will have had all men since the, since the world is as it is. <laughs> but also, my dream is as your vigil. And better yet, at dawn, remember the story started in the middle of the night, my memory, sir, is like a heap of trash. <laughs> so, we, we'll get through them, but we are told, we are told, that his perception, his knowledge, and as we are told, because... By the time the narrator meets him, after he has lent him the the books for like a week or so, less than that even, he already has perfect Latin, and <laughs> yeah, and he arrives with who's basically talking Latin with himself aloud, and we're like, wait, what? Yeah. Already? That's uh, that's intense. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so precise to the point where it becomes useless. Because, okay, yeah. he can remember an entire day and all its details, but what does it matter if the effort takes an entire day? It, it's it's yeah. entirely futile. Yeah, and that's what we were talking earlier as well, that I think is the most important part of this, this short story, which is he can't, because he doesn't have the power of abstraction, he can't have uh, a sentimental memories, like emotional memories. He can't, and we were talking like, the the way that we are shaped and and like socially maybe maybe socially formed is by our memories and our social and emotional memories and responses to what we lived mm -hmm. and when you see a a character that doesn't have this ability because he remembers it in sort of like a, a it's almost like a a recording it, he doesn't remember he records like in the in the sense of a, a perfect register of what happened mm -hmm. so he can't he can't trace uh emotional memory f from something which he lived exactly because he can't remember the way it affected him he just remembers the way that it was and like uh, like a almost like a historian curse basically yeah and that's the that, that that starts bringing us into the question of like how do we think about memory and history in a yeah. lot of different Borges short stories including the one 
the the two ones we've done, both the Immortals and uh, the Death and the Compass, memory is a labyrinth. It is this very tricky thing that confuses and misleads and misguides, and yeah. it's just sort of a weird entrapment. Yeah, because it it's the thing that we trust the most because it's our own experience, but it's just so like uh, you can't. It's not really reliable. Yeah, it's so easy to confuse and and deceive and be deceived. So yeah. it, it is. It's a very strange and odd thing. And in this case, Fungs doesn't have that. <laughs> His memory is <laughs> yeah, like a perfect opposite. gallery. Yeah. But it's so perfect to the point where it's pointless. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and that's when we start getting to like, what is sort of the point of it? Like, he says that he's happy about it at times, but he's almost half conscious that well, is it really all that great? Yeah. When he says that it's a heap of garbage, that's a that's kind of a good yeah. hint. But to give a, <laughs> an example that the story actually gives, it bothered him that the dog, three hours and, and 14 minutes, seen from the side, had the same name that the dog at three hours and 15 minutes, seen from the front. His own face in the mirror, his own hands, surprised him every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talk about Carpe Diem. <laughs> it's like every day he's like living the most and seizing every second, but it's just like a, a fucking curse because it, it it must get that that that's the whole paradox of it. It doesn't get old because it's always new and it's always different and it's always like like he said, like he can see the differences in his own hands an hour apart from from when he, he like he saw it and then he's like oh shit my like as you said he is always surprised by his appearance and, and his physiognomy yeah his capacity to sort of connect these various things is like he he does because like it's not that he doesn't recognize them but it bothered him yeah to he, like he admits like yeah no these are the same dog but not really. Yeah. <laughs> because it annoys him, because it bothers him, because his perfect memory shows him that no, they're not. They can't be. And yeah. obviously they are. And that is just what is so bizarre. He can never yeah. bridge all these events, all this information. It's almost like it's a hall of different rooms, but they're all completely separate. Every single second every single minute is a separate thing. Yeah. And that's just not how how we can think and, and, and exist in the world, really. Yeah. Because we need to establish all these connections. Yeah. We need to understand, like, yeah, the dog at 3.14 from the side and the dog at 3.15 <laughs> from the front are the same. They're yeah. different, but they are the same because yeah. X, Y, and Z and because we can sort of mitigate the differences to establish, no, these are the same. We can abstract all these things and events in a way that Foons is not really capable of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, we're also told about some of his projects, and that is another sort of how his knowledge is and why that isn't history. The, the whole relationship between memory and history is something we'll go on 
soon, but it's almost that he he doesn't even have his memory is not our memory even because of this huge level of disconnect. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to ask if you wanted to say about the projects. Actually, being completely honest, I I don't remember exactly what projects are you are you going to talk about. I think it's maybe you talk which one you're thinking about, and then I, I can talk about it as well. I, I actually I was thinking about another thing, but it's a whole huge topic, so <laughs> we talk about that, and then we talk about this other huge topic. Okay. Sure. So what project were you thinking about? Oh, it's because in the text it says like the two projects that he indicated, the narrator, like an infinite vocabulary for the entire natural numbers and a useless cat mental catalog of all his images of memory. Yeah, I, I, I actually remember the, the natural names for the numbers. And, and that was, as we were talking earlier, so it was like the most psychedelic part of the short story. <laughs> it doesn't seem real. Yeah, like because Borges has such a, a nice clear writing and then when when it comes to ultra bizarre parts, you, you read it and then you just like rub your eyes and try to read it again and say like, wait, did he actually like write this? <laughs> how How did it go that part that you said that Oh, the number 700, it's called. Yeah, he, like, Foons calls it a numbering system, which yeah. the narrator says that it's not. It's just a rhapsody <laughs> of disconnected terms, which was precisely the opposite of a numbering system. But for him, like, 7,013 men, for example, Maximo Perez, uh, <laughs> instead of 7,014, the railway, and so on and so on. Every word had a particular sign, a sort of brand. The, la the latter ones were very complicated. <laughs> so he has no reasoning, like, because the narrator tries to point it out that 365 meant saying 300, 6, 10, and 5 units, an analysis that was absent in Funus's inverted commas, numbers. Funes yeah. didn't understand me or didn't want to understand me. <laughs> so this sort of, this reasoning, this connection is absent for him. It's all isolated. It's all like yeah. picked apart and not given like any real connection. It exists. But all the reasoning, all these sort of small bridges that we, we build in our head to like mnemonic devices, for example. The way we remember something is, oh, we have a cute little phrase so that we can yeah, remember yeah what yeah, this yeah. X, Y, and Z meant. Like the periodic table, we, we, we did that. Most people do that if they're, if they're, if they're asked to for an exam. So, but that's not the case. For him, it's like, oh, I can remember like Borium because Borium is, uh, I don't know, railway. It simply is. <laughs> In the same way that carbon is television. Because it is. There's no reason. There's no connection. It simply is. Uh, he's the classic case of you must be fun at parties. <laughs> it's just his. He must be so. He must. He would have been so annoying at parties. Honestly, <laughs> imagine. Imagine he was trying to to tell a funny story and then comes fumes and say, "No, it wasn't like that, man. You are always lying about this story." <laughs>
Yeah. Because like he because he knows everything, he's incredibly knowledgeable about like he talks about cities, he talks about history, but it's all what he has read and what he has absorbed, never yeah. what he reasons or what he builds. Exactly. So He's basically a recorder. Yes. Yes. It's again, which again, it's not really memory. Memory yeah. is not a recording, in the same way that memory is not history, and a recording is not history. <laughs> exactly. So that, that, let me exactly with that phrase. I want to talk about this giant topic that you're probably going on a gigantical monologue, but I want you to do it, which is taking film's perspective and taking this sort of difference between recording and remembering and history and what it is the facts and what it is the interpretation of the facts i want to to ask you two questions okay the first one is is history an interpretation or is history as we know it like the books of history and the work of history that we have and the uh, conglomerate of works is this like the whole like should we consider uh this whole works and and writings and everything as the facts or are the facts lost and we are just analyzing them so that's oh, the first cool. question okay <laughs> and the second question is about the difference and and i'm sorry that i i stuttered a bit because there was a bunch of people streaming here in, in in the front of my house and I don't know if it, it came on the audio, sorry. No worries. But yeah, and the second question is taking this in consideration in your answer. So uh Funes is maybe in my interpretation, Funes is the complete opposite of an historian. Yes. And and I mean that's my perspective, but I want to hear from you. Okay, so Basically, you're asking me to go off on my historical theory points and how exactly. I understand my own work. So, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't be happier, honestly. Yeah. This is what this podcast's about. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. A bit. <laughs> okay, so, on history and how I, how I understand it. Yeah. Okay, Here, here's the thing, like, first things first, like, the work of history, like to, to write history, to interpret and understand history, it is both an endless work and an interpretive work. It is. The absolute truth of what was the past, it, it's gone. It's gone. The, yeah, the yeah. truth that was the past was lived, and that's it. Yeah. Like, it, it is irrecoverable. Yeah. But that's not what history is. History All isn't right. like the simple recollection of facts. History isn't just like an inventory of the things that happened. At least not today and not how I interpret it. It it may it was for a time. It was like the feats of great men or the feats of great nations. Yeah. But today and for like a great a great part of the twentieth century and, and so on as I hope it continues to be, history is thought of as something much more than that and capable of something more. And that's the bit about interpretation. Which doesn't invalidate it as a science. Which, again, that's uh, hours of discussion. But yeah. history is composed, and the writing of history is composed of a method. It is composed of dedication, of work, of research, of study. It is the establishment and the understanding of information, of documents, of facts. 
via a particular methodology in order to build an interpretation of history. So All to right. give an example, and I was thinking about it this morning, the military dictatorship in Brazil. All like right. It is a thing that happened. We had uh, the milita uh, a military coup, and we had yeah. the military dictatorship for a bit over 20 years. Mm -hmm. But what does that mean in the ways that it operated as a system, in the ways that it affected people, in the ways that it has huge consequences for Brazil today, and the way yeah. that it was handled after the end of the dictatorship? All that, mm -hmm. there are facts about all that, but the way that we think about it, the way we draw meaning of it, which is like the whole point, is what writing history is about. Yeah. Writing history is not about doing a recollection. It is not about, oh, this is what happened then, and, and, or, or in this way. Like, it is about interpreting why. It is about interpreting the phenomena. Basically, yeah, like basically reacting to the facts of life. In a way, yes. And the whole thing, and all historians do this, past and present, whether they acknowledge it or not, is more a testament to their, their awareness of their own epistemology and their methodology than, and the sort of intellectual honesty than anything else. But yeah. we are creatures in time. That's a given. Like, we, we exist in our own time. Yeah. And we cannot look at the past with any other goggles that aren't the goggles of the present. Yeah. We can't. I've gone on this before. <laughs> elsewhere too but the, the the thing is like we can never detach fully and if we do then we lose a whole basis of existence they're like okay if we're not talking about it from where we stand then we're, we're no longer in the present we, we're, we're living in the past yeah exactly which is not what writing history is about uh, yeah <laughs> Even writing a history of the present, it is looking at it from a particular perspective. And the more we understand that we are doing this with a particular perspective and a particular angle, context, time and place, the more aware we are of our own, of how far can we go and how far we can't go. Yeah. So, for example, there's only so far we can go in understanding what literature, what poetics, what the Greek epics were in their own time. But mm -hmm. the more that we build on the letter tests of other information and the legacy of them and the way they exist in our own today, in our own present, or how they've existed and have been through history, they allow us more knowledge to think and consider how far how similar or how different they were in the past. So what what I'm trying to get is that and that's the whole thing about like rewriting history. Yeah. There has always been historical revisionism. Like that is a common practice. And not just on a technical level, not just because new documents have been found or we are or we have more technical information or we are able to discover more, but also yeah. because that particular history means something else today. Interpreting the Greek democracy of like or ancient Athens means something else when we look at it considering like what are and inverted commas here democracies today are yeah and what we want or what a particular historian is thinking or imagining or wanting of a particular democracy it means something else than looking back at from like the republics and the monarchies of 
the 17th and 18th century. They are incredibly different perspectives and different points yeah. to make. Like yeah. for like for us, if we're gonna look back at that time, we're, we're not we're going to criticize a lot of like, wait, why why is it there such a large exclusion of immigrants, of women, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, because we are are looking at it with different questions in order to understand both their own history and why these things were, and to reflect on our own present. Like yeah. it, it may be a bit shocking or obvious, and I will give my own example in a second. But <laughs> a historian that it looks to build some sort of like LGBTQ history in any time or place is looking at it with a present interest in their own time. Exactly, it's a given, really, because yeah. these concerns are important in the present. The evaluation of these in the past both as a reaffirmation of certain positions in the present or a contestation of those positions in the past to build in, in the present, these are questions of our own time. Yeah. Like, I've said this yeah. before, I'm studying researching utopias because, well, I'm dissatisfied with the present and I am dissatisfied with dystopian writing. Yeah. But... I want to understand what these utopias were in their own time. And sure, it, it is like 34 years ago, but doesn't yeah. make it any less different or important. Writing history and bu building, and this is the dialectic, of the past and the present is about relationships in tension. There is no easy way out or like, oh, we, we only look at the context and we're able to tell this. It's the whole thing about like working with literature. Oh, if you look at the context, you don't need to barely look at the work itself. Or if you look at the work, you can explain the entire context. Yeah. The same goes with the relationship between looking at the past on their own terms and looking at it from the present. There is no easy solution. It is constant tension. These things exist in this state that, that, that is unresolved. Yeah. And that is the present. <laughs> exactly. Like, past and present are mutual <laughs> buddies and fellows in writing history. Because you exactly. can't detach from one or the other. If you yeah. look at the past purely in present terms, well, you, you miss what that pre past really was. And, yeah. and if you miss the present, then, well, then there's really no point. Then your work becomes meaningless to the present. To drive it all back to Foon's... <laughs> What was the initial yeah. question again? <laughs> uh, if I if you think that Funes were is the an historian or an anti-historian, not sure if I'd go as far to say that he's anti-historian, but he is he is pure information. He is this pure recording, and that recording yeah. is not history. It's not this interpretation. It's not this analysis. It's the pure facts. So he is yeah. the sort of preserved past, but. For, in order for like Funes' knowledge to become useful, he'd have to be interpreted. His knowledge would have to be selected. He's yeah. sort of like a compendium or exactly. a catalog, but he's in completely like um, it's got everything in there. So you basically need to do an evaluation and an analysis of that information for, for it to be useful. Exactly. That as it exists is not history. Yeah, he's the per he's the perfect like database for an historian to work on it, but it, it goes as far as this like. Yeah, he he he's not it's not historical knowledge the yeah, way yeah. I'd understand it and want to write it and 
and interpret it positively today. In a not too distant past, it may not have been. But by the time of Borges' writing, and now especially, that is not history. And I will not stand by that as history. (laughs) Uh, Which, again, I don't don't think is the point here. I think that is sort of a deliberate construction by Borges. Uh, just in the way that it is so precise in the way that that knowledge is even criticized by Fumes himself. Yeah. So the, the second question, and I'll probably add more to this first one as I go along, but what was it again? Yeah, the, the, actually, like, the first question ended up being, like, what you answered already, and the second question was if if you... What did you think about Fumes being closer to an historian or an not an like an anti-historian or an a-historian like uh, but but uh, but that was it i think yeah yeah i I think what i want to say too about like memory and history is that like Mm. to give like history of the present because that is a thing and it's a very important thing especially oral history and it's a thing that confuses me as fuck so yeah I, i can't imagine like it's not simple to understand as a historian myself yeah, because uh, just let me try to to begin this with a, another question as well. Like, would you call like, uh, like doing news? Are new, like, how distant are news from history? Because they think... are basically the they are basically the interpretation of facts, but not in like an historian interpretative way. But at the same time, news are never factual news it it always has it it, it has to have a emotional charge and something like that Mm -hmm. an emotional load because is a human being that's writing the news so or presenting the news so would you say that news and things like chronics i don't know if it's chronics in in english as well like the literary the literary genre yeah Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are these examples of present present history? So, as I was saying, like I completely agree with a bit about journalism because that it, that can't be uh, impartial because that there is no such thing. It can be more or less balanced, but pure neutrality isn't. It, it's simply not achievable, and yeah. uh, being aware of that is much more productive than anything else. Yeah. So. But what, I, what I'd add, the difference of like what this history of the present means is looking at phenomena or, or at information, at facts, looking from a historical angle, like building these connections, these bridges, and denoting its differences. But it, it, it is, I think it would relate a lot to do with a particular approach and a connection to time. So, for example, you could write a history of, like, the political coup in Brazil in 2016. Yeah. But I, I think you'd have to establish connections. You'd have to establish the way these events correlate and connect to one another. The yeah. news are, like, this sort of selected data, and they can be utilized a lot in the way of how they're built as, uh, like, historical sources. Because even, like, these more extensive reports... They have like historical elements to it, but it's a very different purpose. It's much more like to transmit a certain amount of information and in a particular perspective of like sort of recent news or these goings ons. It's a very different purpose. It's much more to sort of inform and 
like sort of share this understanding of, of these events and these facts. I read the historical work as from a, like sort of a, a manifest perspective. It's much more an interpretive work. If the news mm-hmm. is about an identifiable work, the historical one is about an interpretive one. It's understanding, okay, All so right. this is a thing. Like, uh, let me see if I can get... <laughs> I can think about a, a billion examples. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to pick a good one. So All right. let, let's give a very personal one. The Bolsonaro presidency. Like, right. yeah, it's a thing and it happened because of these things of like, oh... There was this much amount of, of voting because of these recent problems and whatnot. But yeah. I'd rather the historical one looks at it, if at times from a much narrower or much wider perspective, but looks at it from this angle of connecting or both connecting in identifying the similarities, but also the differences between like a particular past and a particular present, if you're doing this history of the present. So, for example, when you identify, like, the elements of the things that were starting to create problems and tensions with the previous presidencies from the Workers' Party and the mm-hmm. level of dissatisfaction by the middle class and both in the higher class as well, you, you start identifying some of the problems and the situations that were conducing to a situation in the present. Again, not, none of this is, like, set in stone or that obvious or that clear because the deal with interpretations is that and that's and i will go off on this bit because it's important to know because these things you can theoretically make any interpretation if you can support it by documents by facts by disinformation by a a strong argumented point but in a wider academic area and field and discussion and establishment of these different interpretations they're not going to all exist. You're going to create, gradually, a narrower and narrower field of accepted interpretations. Yeah. Just because it is an interpretation doesn't mean it will always like be, oh, then anything is true, any interpretation is acceptable. No, that's not true. You can yeah. do any interpretation, sure. Doesn't mean they're going to be reasonable or acceptable in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, we were so, talking about this in the last episode as well. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And the, the point came again. That's why I'm reiterating. Really. Sorry <laughs> about that. No, no, I like it. I like it because it, it really makes a lot, a lot of sense. So you can, for example, say uh, that, oh, Nazism was left-wing. You can say that. You're going to be talking yeah. shit and you're going to be talking something incredibly stupid and wrong, but you can theoretically do it. The fact that you're not going to be accepted is because of other factual evidence and other interpretations that have both been more detailed, been built in more detail, in more care, and have been more negotiated and argued about that have established a more coherent and more sensible version of history we like to believe. And in this case, yes, it's not left-wing because in its program, it states something incredibly different than pretty much every single left-wing position since the, the 1900s. Yeah. Or 1800s in this case, 19th century. So, the point I'm, I'm making is <laughs> Thunes does not create interpretations. Yeah. He does not. He has this... In a way, he is closer to this journalism because he identifies information but he does yeah. not work with it or interpret it in any way. And journalism, especially in like 
I don't know, 30, 40 years, does interpretive work of a much lesser degree than like history, yeah. sociology, and so on. But it does some of that. But its yeah. focus is on this identification and this understanding. Because yeah. it's got a very different objective. History, sociology, and other human sciences have a focus of an interpretive focus, uh, an idea to understand these connections, to understand similarities, differences, and to build how we look at the past and how that is important and relevant to us in the present. To Foom's, the past is present in a way <laughs> that, like, he gathers all this information, these languages, these readings, but they're all static. They do not change. They yeah. exist in the way that he has took them. And that is not, at the end of the day, that is not human. It is the thing about the lack yeah, of exactly. And that's what we're told by the narrator himself at the end of the story. Because it says, and I'll quote the entire paragraph, I'm translating it myself. He had learned without effort English, French, Portuguese, Latin. I suspect, however, that he was really capable of thinking. To think is to forget differences. It is to generalize, to abstract. In the cluttered world of films, there was nothing if not details, almost immediate ones. That's exactly what we were talking about. Yeah. He yeah. cannot think at the end of the day, because for him, there are only these details, and details without meaning, details without interpretation, without analysis, without care. Yeah. They exist basically, isolated. Yeah, basically, he, for him, thinking is living. Because uh, I don't yes. know if I'm if I'm talking shit here, but I mean when you when you're living in the present, like every second that you're living, when you make a decision, you're not interpreting that decision. You are basically acting upon what you're thinking, or acting upon I don't know, like instinct, basically. So so yeah, he. The, uh, I, I think it's really powerful when he says that he just remembers about lots of details. Uh, everything is details. Yes. If you, if you think about it, we as well in the present, everything that we do is pay attention to details because that is what molds and makes us experience life, basically. So what we can say is that Fumes... Uh, doesn't have the power to act upon and exist on the present. Like, uh, the, the normal human being can't act on the past and on the future. And he can't, and we can act on our present. Yeah. And to Fumes is almost paradoxical because he has a superpower and you think that it would be better. But actually, he... Uh, and even uh, as well because of his paralysis, physical paralysis, he only acts on the past every uh, at every moment. Like he he's trapped in being like this wizard and this master of the past because he knows everything that happened, and he uh, and he has this ability to resimulate the past inside his mind. Yeah. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense, really, because yeah, and I, I was going to say as well that it, it, it would be it would make me go crazy because, as you know, and, and as for yourself as well, like 
I think I, I change sufficiently every year to become like a whole new person, a whole different person. <laughs> and and then you have someone that is basically like paralyzed by by time. Yeah, and he, yeah. he can't change because he he <laughs> it's just so bizarre to think about it to try to put in a human mind what what he would think and what he would interpret of himself or what happened to him as as his life goes on and another thing that i think is really uh, bizarre at the ending is both that he's 19 and yes. that he dies from pulmonary congestion. <laughs> yeah, I because we 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 have him with like with two different images. One which is like it, it's built on a sort of an ableist point because like he's become paralytic, so he he has basically lost his body, which isn't really true. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, but it, it's sadly like the 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 literary image that. It tends to have these representations. So, just something to note. But it, it is supposed to signify that, like, oh, his body is pointless now, or all that matters is his mind. Yeah. But th 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 when we see him, we are literally in the dark. And yeah. he provides, as, like, Dawn approaches, but he provides no real, like, and to take it in these terms, no real enlightenment. Yeah. He is still in the dark. He's still locked in a room. And the fact that he is sort of immobile, I think it is in fact because his mind is trapped in these details, in this past. So yeah. he cannot in any way act in the present because of this lack of abstraction. If you think, if you really think about it, and I'm being over-analyzed, over over-analyzed, I don't know even if this is over analytic, probably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm being over-analytic here, but maybe it, it isn't that he became paraplegic and then with the with the this physical condition came the superpower of 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 memory. Maybe ex exactly the opposite. Oh, maybe the, I like that. Yeah, maybe the condition of of having this enormous monstrous database of things to think about because you have basically the whole past and every single fucking second and detail of the world in your mind makes you unable to do anything else than to think about the past yeah he can do nothing other than like sort of collect this information from the past but he can do nothing with it yeah like the most he does like he's his two projects of like this pointless vocabulary of numbers and this catalog catalog of images of memory are like meaningless. Like exactly. what's the point? It's like you're basically associating things. You're creating more cluttered information, which carries no meaning. Yeah. And that's exactly what Hoons lacks. He lacks meaning. And I, I, I much prefer that reading that like because of, of, of this perfect memory, this perfect perception, he cannot act in the present. Like yeah. his body cannot act in the present, in because he's permanently trapped in this information, <laughs> in this past. Paralysis by analysis. 
That's a hell of a sentence. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think it really makes sense. Yeah, me too. And that's, and that's one of the things I like, why, to the end of the day, like, he's not, like, the the memorious one, like, because his memory, it's a very strange memory, because it's an yeah. uncorrupted memory. Memory yeah. necessarily corrupts data. Yeah. Like, we remember something on account of a certain feeling, and those feelings change. So, yeah. for example, like, a first date with someone that you end up being with and are still with for a long time means something. If yeah. the relationship ended, that carries something else, and that can be both, like, just a sadness or, like, uh, a sort of... A a story of things to come. So you look yeah. back and go like, oh, if only I'd paid attention to this, this wouldn't have happened and whatnot. Because yeah. that's what memory perception and time does to things. These things gain new meaning. And in an individual level, memory is incredibly changeable. Yeah. Because like you yourself are responsible for your memories. The, this is much more volatile. Yeah in a way that, like, a larger historical field isn't as much. So, like, you can, for example, change and understand differences, different nuances of the French Revolution, but you can't diminish the fact that the French Revolution was a very, very important event. If yeah, you yeah. do that, you're going to get a lot of pushback for very good reasons. Yeah. I have a personal thing against François Fouché, because he basically diminished the value of the French Revolution and what is like a, almost a non-event or a very small thing, uh, which I think <laughs> is nonsense. Yeah. But then again, uh, that's just, well, that's not just a me thing, but the point is he tried to do this interpretation and it really didn't go forward much more other than in certain conservative circles because... Well, as volatile and as changeable as rewriting history is, in a more general area, there are things that just, well, this simply was not the case. Exactly. It simply was not the case. <laughs> yeah. In the way that we interpret, in the way that we understand, and in the way that we have built an entire field of, exactly. interpret of interpretation, of analysis, of methodology. I think that's the whole point, like... It's the same thing with post-truths and, and conspiracy theories. Like, if we don't have a, a stepping stone, like a, a, a common ground to to start the debate, we basically don't have anything because then one day I, I come to talk with a, a person that I just met and then I'm going to talk like, oh, because people are going to Mars. I don't know. And and then the person says, oh, but you know, that's a hoax. And and that's fake, and that the Earth is flat. So when you have something like that, you basically are impaired to talk about and to discuss because you don't have... It's almost like trying to make a conversation in two different languages. Mm -hmm. Less than that, even. Yeah. <laughs> because even with someone from a different language, you're going to have other similar bases. So in this exactly. case, like, it's a whole different set of... Conceptual points and analysis, exactly, basically. Exactly. Yeah. It's a whole different framework that you're already working. Exactly. With. Yeah. The, the pre-assumptions that uh, that are required for that are wholly different. Yeah. Uh, this negation. Uh, yeah, I think it's negation is perspective that basically denies a lot of it, and that is mm -hmm. a problem today with like 
oh, the, the military dictatorship in Brazil wasn't that bad, or torture yeah. wasn't a thing, or they're just complaining, or, I don't know, the guerrillas' violence was the same as the regime's. <laughs> all nonsense. All yeah. a, a negationist or denialist perspective of history that is basically contestatory in accordance with a certain political position of which denying all these events is much more interesting, convenient, and beneficial. Exactly. So, so yes. yes I, I, I think we already trashed misconceptions about history and films as much as we could. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did go off on a, lo on a very long monologue, but no, then but again, I, you put but me I loved it. it because, yeah, yeah, I loved it because I wanted really much to hear a perspective on it. Because uh, for me, as, as a, a person who studies literature, as I was saying earlier, the short story is really about... about uh, it, it's always the, the thing with Borges, like, it, it's always about like almost riddles and stories that are <laughs> like uh, like con like uh, sort of like contortionist story like he he just goes everywhere and anywhere that he wants and makes you marvel about things and think about possibilities of like the 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 fantastic and the things that a small change in a per in the human perspective could pro could produce bizarre things as fumes and 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 it obviously has this one billion references that I'm I'm not capable of going <laughs> of going inside each one and and trying to do a a whole analysis and I I, I tried a bit uh, as we were talking I thought about that analysis of of the this inverted uh, relationship with his paralysis and his memory that mm -hmm. maybe is the opposite and what we already talked about. But I really love to hear uh, you talking about it because I mean this the short story basically screams about history and <laughs> screams about <laughs> memory and 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 it begs to be analyzed to if this is a good thing or a bad thing and I and I love that you went on that monologue as well. Yeah, like I j just to add to that point about like the inversion, it's not that like oh uh, you need to be chased with the body in order to enhance the mind it's almost like a mind that goes too far into this yeah it's so negative that it ends up debilitating the body exactly. and that is just it's an inversion that is really interesting i i really like that reading yeah so yeah i i guess it's yeah. sort of a final word to this history is a collective work yeah. It is a slow, elaborate work that takes many hands from many places from many times. And if anything, we want all these perspectives, we want all these angles so that we can write better history and so that we can rewrite our history in a way that is beneficial and that is yeah. more interesting and that is ultimately democratic, that is equal, that is for everyone. That is not yeah. excluded, that is not imperialist, that is not capitalist at the end of the day. So, yeah. if anything, that is where I stand and where I look to writing my, my own, to doing my own research, my own writing on history, and yeah. as a field in general. That is yeah. what even, we must aspire your, to. Your own, your own literary writings as well. 
yeah, like these things are all connected. Yeah, yeah. W- w- one of the things, like I have a sort of a Borges uh, dictionary, a Babylonian, yeah. Babylonic Borges, which is like a sort of dictionary of concepts and how they are portrayed or appear in Borges. And the history one is really interesting because Borges almost tries to distance himself from the actual historic conditions of his time and the, the, how that affected him. Yeah. But more recently, uh, that's being put to question because, you know, he really can't because he's a human being in time, in society. So, yeah. uh, it, it's <laughs> like, you can't, these things aren't separable. Like, these yeah. things are always connected. And in ways that are intentional, unintentional, and at times they are imperceptible, but they're always there because of the way we exist, the way we think, the way we relate. Unless you're yeah. like fully isolated, then there's going to be something else. But if you exactly. exist in society or have existed in society in any way, shape, or form, that, well, that leaves its marks, you know? We, we, and that's the thing. We live on experiences. We live on these memories. Yeah. And in their change, in the change of their meaning in time. So, like, to know something is not simply to know it, it is to interpret it. Yeah. yeah. Knowledge acquires some interpretation, or be simple as like, oh, I like this, I don't like this. Yeah. So, like, oh, I like this particular video game when I was a kid, I try to play it now, oh, I don't like it because of X, Y, and Z. So, yeah. To give a pretty good example, like Tomb Raider, good game, sure, but like, you're literally raiding tombs in a different country. <laughs> Imperial as much, so you know, like that's the whole thing. Like, knowledge is interpretation all the time, yeah. even if we're not aware of it. And that, exactly. and Fumes doesn't have that, and <laughs> that's why he's almost not human at the end. Of exactly, the and it gives uh, it's the responsibility to be aware of this interpretation and how it is so crucial to our relationships, to our creations, to our art, to our writing to our knowledge, to our existence, to our own humanity. And with that, I think we can call it a day. As I always say, let's not talk anything else to not spoil this ending. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for listening, everyone. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed this. This yeah. was like very uh, a very close episode to our last one, yeah. but mostly so we could have a proper October in order. Like, yeah, yeah. we have special treats for you and a special <laughs> Halloween collaboration because, of course, we do. Like, how could we not with yeah. the, 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 the usual guests? You should know by now. If not, you'll find out soon enough. You won't exactly. regret it. Yeah. So thank you for listening. You can find us on Twitter at, at LeftPagePod. I'm always there sharing the episodes, sharing other content and news and just cool and interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, you can also find us on Patreon if you can support us and check us out there. We have like the reading corners, which is something I need to catch up on. Uh, basically, yeah. other stuff that we write that don't doesn't necessarily make it into an episode, but that we take the time to sort of write a, like a, a bit about and just some interpretations, some stuff that we've been thinking about it, uh, just to share it with y'all. And also the poetry uh, club, which is uh, the way we've been structuring it as we take a poem every month 
and talk a bit about it. Our next episode should be coming out maybe this week as well, or has already come out. So yeah. I'll add it to to the, the the blurb as well. But that's definitely if you can, please check us out, and if you can support us, even it's just like a dollar a month, like it, it already means the world to us. Exactly. And we want to always thank our patients for being with us for, through thick and thin, literally. Exactly. Through our yeah. unplanned hiatuses of like, <laughs> oh, I've had an emotional crisis. I need some time to not add it. Or, I don't know, the semester has started. Oh my God, I need help. Yeah. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we thank you for continuing to support us and your eternal patience. Yeah, making making this show possible, basically. You really do. You really, yeah. really do. And, and we want to be responsible with your support and your financial support too, and both give you a show and this uh, sort of exclusive content that you find it worth and you find valuable. That stuff that we actually care about as well. Yeah. So I think that's it from us. So keep an eye out. October is filled with spooky surprises. <laughs> that's incredibly out of tone of me. Good lord. <laughs> so <laughs> keep an eye out. We have good stuff for you and actually more serious stuff with people who know a lot more than us. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Like this is always a blast. Thank you yeah. so much. And to the next one. If only we remembered as much as we forget the past's a distant ocean we can't go back to yet. We wait down in Till the soil by hand Feeling the weight of water Built up behind the dam Left and right, up and down, head over heels That's the only way that we know Down and up, right and left, over and over Tumbling on with the flow Time our ghosts are swimming like schools of angel fish. We have no way of feeling the flow of water.
will.